Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. In this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, Kate and I are talking taxes, including five tips and tricks you can use to try and minimize your taxes and just make everything as easy as possible in 2020 and beyond. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Kate, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It's good to be back, Owen, to talk about a very exciting topic today. As always, yes, I think we did something similar to this last year, which was around tax time, we we sat down and, and we thought, well, we may as well give out some tips and tricks and ways to, to keep the tax bill as low as possible. Mm. And so we've got five tips to save people money at tax time. Um, one of them's a little bit cheeky on the end, but um, yeah, we hope you get something from this. So Kate, what are, we, uh, what are we talking about exactly? What type of tax are we talking about? The tax that you have to pay every year um, and you have to do a tax return at the end of each financial year, which ends uh, at the 30th of June. So it's any tax um, on your full-time job. Maybe you've got to pay some tax on some of the Uber rides you've given this year. Um, So it's just essentially a time when you work out all the income you've earned during the year, uh, any deductions you have and work out have you paid the government enough tax? Um, have you paid the government too much tax? And you might get a tax refund or you might actually have a tax bill depending on um, what's happened during the years. So uh, for some people, it's a great time and some people really dread this time, especially if they have a tax bill. Um, and it's definitely a lot of paperwork, though that's becoming easier. But so we're talking about personal income tax uh, during 2020. Yeah, cool. So we're talking income tax and we're talking the year that ends on June 30th, 2020. So as we record this, it hasn't actually um, ended yet, but this is the tax year that ends on the 30th of June. That's when every tax year for income tax ends. Um, and we're going to differentiate income tax for people or individuals versus businesses. Businesses are different. Um, we have a few things here that can kind of be applied to small businesses or other businesses, but this is primarily talking to Australian residents who pay tax in Australia on their own, uh, on their own accord. So Kate, I think we've said this before on the the podcast, but one of the most important things that people can do is think about minimizing tax. And I use the word minimizing and not avoiding because if you avoid tax, that's actually illegal, but minimizing tax is one of those things where I think it was Kerry Packer that said, If you don't minimise your tax, you need to get your head read. Um, Because he was effectively saying, you know, that the government, once it goes to the government, they're not going to spend it any better than you do. So you may as well um, pay as little tax as possible so you keep more in your pocket. And um, the thing about it is that when you minimise tax, and this is kind of like the rough rule of thumb that I use. And by the way, I'm not a, a tax accountant, so you want to speak to your own accountant, but the rough rule of thumb that I use is that if the only reason that you do something with your money is to get rid of tax, 
that could be illegal. So people don't really think about that. But if the only reason, if the government can prove it, that's the only reason you've done something, that could be illegal because that's tax avoidance, whereas tax minimization is a bit different. So it's like being prudent, I guess, with your money. And there's a line there, and you'd probably want to speak to your financial advisor or um, accountant before you go and make a decision based on that. But um, that's just my rough rule of thumb. But Kate, I guess one of the things that we could tell people about just quickly before we get into the five tips is how do you pay tax? So how do you, like, people hear about this thing called deductions, or this thing called deductions and accessible income um, and PAYG and all these different types of things. How do we pay tax and what is the, what is a tax deduction? Mm. So for most people that just work a traditional nine to five job, their employer actually takes out the tax for them based on their tax rate and based on the form you filled out when you started the job. Um, you would have seen, um, you would have filled out this form many years ago when you started your job and you had to tick whether you had a education debt. You would have had to tick if you wanted to claim the tax three, three, uh, sorry, free threshold. Um, <laughs> bit of a tongue twister. Um, and you would have had to select a few other things about your residency and all that sort of stuff. And your employer took that information, sent it off to the ATO and has been paying tax using your tax file number on your behalf to the government every time you get paid um, for the whole time you've been working there. So the government already has that money. Um, the other thing, if you have earned, if you're a freelance or, or you're, on, you're on your own business, then you're responsible for dealing with the tax yourself, not your employer. So that's, that's another thing people have to deal with if they're doing that. And then deductions are a whole list of things the government says that for this job, if you buy this thing for this purpose, then you can deduct it from your income. So the government has a huge list of deductions for different jobs and it's usually things that are essential for that job. But, I mean, it's worth checking the list because we'll dive into it a bit later, but there's very specific things for certain jobs that can be claimed as deductions and other things like if you meet certain circumstances, you can claim costs of education and electronic equipment. So... Um, it's certainly, it's the government's way of incentivizing you to buy certain things for certain, for deductions, I think. Mm. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, um, you, you generally have to incur the cost, uh, as part of your, as part of your income. So you have to be able to prove that whatever you're deducting is necessary and it's part of you making money and you're not reimbursed for a bit. Uh, by, uh, for it by your employer or something like that. So you have to make sure that it's, it's part of your uh, efforts to make more money. Um, one of the things that I just want to clarify here is when we talk about deductions, some people think because if they go to like, they pick up like the, the Bunnings Warehouse magazine and it says tax time savings or something like this, or they, they see like a, a car yard's got like end of financial years, tax savings or whatever. Um, you have to be really mindful here that when you, if you pay a hundred dollars for something, let's say you, you're a tradesman and you pay a hundred dollars for a really cheap drill and you think, Oh, you know, that's tax deductible. It's not the whole, you don't get a hundred dollars back. That's not the way it works. So you only claim, you only get back the amount that is um, your tax, your marginal tax rate. So we talk about say 30 cents in the dollar, which is something that people talk about a lot. If your marginal tax rate or the amount of tax you pay for your level of income is 30%, then that's 30 cents in the dollar. So it's 30 cents you get back um, when, you, when you lodge your tax return and you claim a deduction. 
So people think, and we'll get to this at the end of the show, but people think that because they buy something for $100 and it says it might be tax deductible, that that's $100 of savings. It's not. It's actually more like $30 of savings if that's your tax rate. So that's a kind of little thing there, which we'll get to um, throughout the rest of the show. But I just wanted to air that now. So, Kate, what's the first thing someone can do? We've got five things on our list. What's the first thing someone can do to save money at tax time? So the first thing, it may sound obvious, but I mean, I haven't personally done it very well in the past, is to keep your receipts and your documents in order that um, that demonstrate what you've spent on during the year. So um, I, I don't recommend keeping them in a shoebox. So when you get a receipt that you think is going to be able to be a deduction because it's related to your job or something like that, take a photo and, and store it in a folder and, and label what it is and what date um, or keep it in a spreadsheet um, or an accounting system if you are a small business or a, a sole trader. So when it's tax time, you're not going to have a nightmare trying to work out what you spent on because you do have to have proof to back up these claims um, mm. to the tax tax office. Uh, they don't ask for it usually up front, but if you get audited, you have to be able to bring out all your evidence and say, this is why I put down this amount for this deduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a really interesting thing. People still think that they need to keep all of their receipts. That may not necessarily be the case. So um, obviously you can refer back to the ATA website, but um, as long as you can prove that you've incurred the expense in the line of producing income, so you know, to produce more income, um, you'd want to keep that receipt or keep a record of it um, somewhere. So the spreadsheet's a good one. Um, you know, you could have a spreadsheet that has, for example, it's got like 10 different tabs down the bottom. One might be like transport costs. Another one might be extra contributions to super. Another one might be office or home office equipment, something like that. So you can kind of keep an order. And why, why is it important to keep uh, your receipts and document you're spending cash. Like what, what's the, how does someone benefit from this? Well, when you go in to put in your tax return and do it, and whether you're using an accountant or doing it yourself, if you don't have the records during the year, it's a complete nightmare at tax time. Just trying to find everything. And if you just hand your accountant the shoebox of receipts, they're going to charge you a fortune to go through it all because it's a lot of their time that is really doesn't need to be spent going through receipts. If you can hand them a spreadsheet, and say, I have the supporting documents at home, then that's going to make their life and your life so much easier. Totally. Yeah. So I did some Googling before this. I got some numbers from last year. It looks like an accountant uh, and in the, the, the lowest rate for accounting services that I found in the country was Victoria, hooray, um, which charged $50 per hour on average for a tax return. So you probably still get a pretty junior accountant for 50 bucks an hour, but um, that's what the minimum you'll be up for. So every, I guess, little thing that you do throughout the year could save them <clears throat> 10 minutes trying to track down that particular deduction. And then therefore it saves you, you know, a few hundred dollars come tax time. So if, you, if, you, if you're listening to this now and you're thinking, I don't have my tax affairs in order, now is a probably, probably a pretty good time to do it before you go to your, your accountant. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and the other sorry. and the other point I wanted to make about documenting, um, if you are making any money outside your day job, um, it's also good to keep a regular up-to-date spreadsheet of that as well. So if you've done anything like ride sharing or selling stuff on Etsy or some Airtasker jobs, make sure you keep a spreadsheet of all of that, of what you've done and all of the income there because 
you, they might not have taken any income tax on your behalf, so you're going to have to declare that at tax time. Yeah, good one. Okay, number two, which is one that we've talked about on the show before, is a little bit different and it might not apply to everyone. But if you put extra into super, so if you BPay or direct deposit more money into super, there's a pretty strong chance that you'll be able to claim a tax deduction if you follow the steps that we're about to lay out. So the first one is that you've made a, a, a personal super contribution um, sometime this financial year. It's not the, the contribution that your employer makes for you. So it's not the normal um, super guarantee. This is different. Uh, if you put extra into super, um, then what you need to do is you have to fill out a form called a notice of intent to claim. And you, this is usually available on your super funds website. You, you send that off to them. They acknowledge it. And then once that's been acknowledged, then you can claim a tax deduction. So this whole process takes a little while. So we say um, make sure you do this probably now or you do it um, as soon as the tax year is up, so after June 30, as soon as that's up, so that they can send you back the acknowledgement of it and then you can claim the deduction. So this is a really good one for, I find, for people that are self-employed or people that have these side hustles and they want to keep contributing extra money to super. Um, you can do that. Uh, and you can claim a tax deduction um, for, for most people anyhow. So um, that's definitely one to, to check out. We've got the, a link in the show notes for exactly what to do there. Yeah, so you don't want to don't want to forget if you have made those additional contributions, you have to fill in and send off this form to your super fund. Otherwise, uh, it was sort of a waste. <laughs> you, you wasted the power of it and getting that deduction. Totally. Number three, Kate, I'll let you go with this one. Uh, so number three is another one we've talked about a lot, but making sure you keep an eye out for all of your ETF statements and brokerage reports because when you get to tax time, um, like your normal income, you're going to have to pay um, capital gains and other tax on these distributions and dividends and interest payments you've received during the year. So some of it's treated as capital gains, some of it's treated as income, depending on what kind of payment it is, but just keep throughout a year, an Excel spreadsheet or using a program. I mean, I, I'm, I've personally been using ShareSite. I mean, we don't have any affiliation there, but that's helped me to ensure that I keep on track of all of these payments throughout the year. Um, especially if you've bought and sold some things during the year, you might have received a dividend for a share you owned six months ago that you've completely forgot you had uh, because it's not currently in your portfolio. So that's sort of an important thing to remember. Um, and if you make your accountant go and chase these things down through link and computer share, they're going to charge you a fortune as well. So um, it, it's really important to keep uh, an eye out and keep track as each distribution um, or, or any payment comes in, keep a record of that. And also if you make any sales of shares and ETFs, uh, keeping a separate spreadsheet of that because you'll need to know that for tax purposes as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the thing is people get to this time of year and they, they think they get to this time of year, they think end of tax year is fast approaching. Maybe I should sell some of my shares that are currently at a loss or my ETFs that are currently in the negative and then I'll claim, you know, then I'll better claim that against my income or what have you. You have to be really careful with this kind of thing because this comes back to what we're talking about at the beginning, which is tax avoidance. If the only reason you make that decision is to avoid tax, then that is, chances are that's caught up in Division 4A of the tax law. So there's, I'll let you read forums online about this and about what they call you know, washing or uh, different types of strategies which 
a quasi tax avoidance, um, you, can, you can go online and find out more about these, but basically you have to be really careful. So you'd want to speak to your accountant before you go and do that. Um, even as, even if it might sound like it's really appealing to you because you do claim a loss and then you can buy the shares back or buy the ETF back. Um, of course, then you run the risk of paying more for the ETF and, and all that type of thing. Uh, but that's something um, you want to speak to your accountant about. But yeah, definitely if you're with a big broker, um, a big share brokerage account, chances are they'll have like a tax reports page. Or if you're with a company like ShareSite, as you mentioned, Kate, you could use something like that. Or if, you, if you're with a robo-advisor, um, you'll probably get a statement there. Or if you just with a, uh, you go straight up with a, you know, an index fund or a managed fund, say from Vanguard or something like that, they'll send you a tax statement as well, which is really complicated typically. Um, but your accountant, you'll be able to understand that. Um, so number four, Kate, is this one that's really really popular right now: um, working from home incentives. So home office costs. There have been a few changes to this recently. Uh, maybe I'll let you fill fill listeners in. Yeah, so uh, you might be hearing more people talking about it because suddenly that we are all working from home. So we've got a lot of things that we can start to think about claiming. I, I think even um, you can claim a bit of your office space in your house if there's a designated office. But um, make sure you check what um, the allowances are at the moment. But So we've got a link in the show note. But essentially the ATO says that to claim a deduction for working from home, you must have spent the money yourself. Uh, so the, some employers have been paying you to be able to buy an office chair, so that doesn't count. You have to have spent the money. In, the expense must be directly related to earning your income. So it can't just be like office expenses for something coffee, else. For <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, so, some would say that coffee uh, does, does help you to earn your income, but uh, no, coffee milk doesn't count. And you have to have a record to prove it. So the, the government is saying you need to keep records of this. Uh, so if you've bought a, a chair or something like that for working from home, you've got to have records to prove it. And so the government's introduced a, a different, a shortcut method for this year for um, calculating home office expenses. So at the moment, they've said um, from the 1st of March to the 30th of June 2020, you can use this shortcut method, which we'll put in the show notes, and they're letting you claim 80 cents on the dollar for your home office expenses. So that's 80 cents per hour. So every hour that you work from home, sorry, you would be able to claim 80 cents. Um, and that's if you choose to take that option, which is very easy, if you choose to take that option, it means that you can't then go and claim another method. So you can't say claim 80 cents per hour you know, for, for five days a week, um, which might be, say, $30, $35. You can't then go and claim a cost for a keyboard or something like that. Like, this is the way that you, this is what you claim for, and this is how you do it. So you want to be sure that if this is what you, this is the way you're choosing to go with the deductions, even though it's easy and it sounds appealing, make sure you speak to your accountant um, before you go and buy things or before you go and do things uh, with this. But basically, it works out to be about $30 to $35 a week. You can... You can claim from your income for, I think it's four months because it's the beginning of March to the end of June. Um, and then outside of those times, um, you have other methods which drop down. So 80 cents for that period, but then 52 cents for any period outside of that. And that might sound a little bit complicated, but just know if you're working from home, you can't be bothered speaking to your accountant to work out all of the things that you might be eligible for. Um, you can just go with the shortcut method, which is 80 cents per hour that you work from home. So there was an important um, except, um, ex exception in here, which is or exclusion, which is that some parents might try and get away with claiming their 
a child's laptop or iPad or, you know, a desk for their kids or something like that. Um, the ATO has explicitly said that children's and, and families' um, online learning does not count towards what you can claim on your tax deduction or your tax return, sorry. So that's something to keep in mind. I know there'll be a lot of parents out there that are thinking, oh, you know, I bought an iPad or um, we bought this secondhand computer for young Jimmy. Um, it's probably not going to fly, so just be careful with that. Um, Kate, and the last one is an interesting one. Um, and it comes back to what I was saying at the top of the show. People think because it says it might be tax deductible, they should go and buy it. This is like that old negative gearing thing. They think, you know, if I, if I buy it, I'm actually saving money. And no, you're actually not. So I'll go back to the example that I gave at the start of the show, which is that if you, if you look at something and, and your, tax, your tax rate is 30%, so you pay tax at 30%, well, 30 cents for every dollar that you make. Um, if you see something that's tax deductible, you know, even if it qualifies, you're still out of pocket 70 cents. So you're still paying for that item. And so this is a thing, you know, for me personally, I would, I would never buy something just because it's potentially tax deductible. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's like spending saying I've saved money because I bought something on sale when you wouldn't have actually purchased that item in the first place otherwise. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, just because there's a scheme or an incentive that comes up, if you weren't going to do it anyway, don't do it now. Like it's, it's, it's not about that. I mean, of course, if you, if you were waiting for a sale to buy something and and you thought I'm going to buy that, I'll just wait for it to come on sale. Then by all means, absolutely give that a crack, but don't just go out of your way because it's there to do it. And so this is the, the saying. It's, um, you know, I'd rather pay 30 cents in tax when I make a dollar than pay $1 and get 30 cents back in tax. So, you know, you're still out of pocket, even if it is tax deductible. Just do the thing that gets you ahead um, furthest after tax. That's what we're trying to go for here. Um, Robert Kiyosaki in his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, said, if you work, if you pay tax at 30, 30%, um, which many of our listeners would. He says, you're effectively working 30% of the year or three months of the year for the tax man. So it's the single biggest cost any of us will pay each year. So make sure you minimize, but do it the right way and take a look at all the show notes that we've put together for you. Kate, is there anything else you want to add on the end? I think just in terms of thinking about paying tax, some people get really annoyed that they have a tax bill at tax time. And I think it's just sort of interesting to reframe it as if you're paying tax, you've actually earned some money during the year and you've had an income and you've you've had earnings from your shares or you've made capital gains. So I think it's sort of just reframing it in your mind so you're not thinking, oh, this is a negative thing, I have to pay tax, where you're thinking, well, I'm paying tax because I've actually made some money. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the reason we pay tax is so that when we have things like coronavirus and people need help because they've lost their job or you know, pensioners, which make up the biggest part of our spending. Um, Pensioners, you know, want to retire because they built this wonderful country um, through their hard work. That's why we pay tax. So that's the bigger picture too. You know, it's not just us. It's not just little old us. We pay tax for um, a higher purpose. So um, I think, like you said, Kate, yeah, if you're paying tax, it means you're making money. Um, And there are plenty of ways to minimize tax and there are plenty of things you can do to make money and get ahead. So it's not all bad. Kate, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? You can catch me at howtomoney.online or howtomoneyaus at Twitter and Instagram. 
Cool. And I'm Owen Rask on Twitter and Owen Rask AU on Instagram, or you can find us in the show notes at www.rask.com.au. Cool. Okay. As always, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. 